As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight I'm here with the wonderful Denise Renner and Mr. Paul Renner. Guys, welcome to Home Group. Thank you, Rick. And Home Group, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us. And we just really consider it a privilege that you would take this time to be with us. And thank you. Paul, welcome to Home Group. Thank you. I I enjoy so much being here because I learn. When I'm here in the Home Group with you, I learn. And that's important for me because I like to learn and I need to learn so that I can grow and so that I can help other people grow. So I hope that you are learning when you are on the Home Group too. If you're not a partner, please pray about becoming a partner with our ministry. Partners really are heroes. They are the ones enabling all of this to happen. Denise and I and our sons, our team, we're willing to do the work, but gas has to be put in the tank for us to get the gospel and the teaching to people. And that's what partners do. And when we call people partners, we really mean they are partners. And by the way, if you need prayer, please let us know how to pray for you. We want to pray for you. And I want you to be sure to get the free download at our ministry website right now called Why We Need the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's this new 10-part series, which I'm teaching right now in the regular TV program. By the way, the stand-ups for this program are magnificent. Ay, ay, ay. They're filmed all over St. Petersburg. If you want a view of Russia like you've never had, watch those programs. They're all the introductions to the subject, why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But order these by going online or give us a call. And right now we're also offering you my small book, the back of it says, A Fresh Look at the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. In this book, Rick Brenner will help you take a fresh look at the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mr. Renner? Yes? I want you to read this book. I will read this book as soon as you give it to me. I will give it to you. Look, it's small. But this book is really a treasure. Well, I have some traveling to do, and so I'll read it on the next time I'm on an airplane. Wonderful. Uh, you know what? I've, I know, and this may be a little bit off subject, but I've seen this book many times. And the girly cover kind of just, you know, just kind of thought, I guess it's not, well, not, not for me. It's not a very manly cover. Well, it's for you, Paul. It's for all of us. Anyway. Yeah. Denise? Yes, Rick? We're going to talk about spiritual gifts tonight. Well, I love to talk about spiritual gifts. Well, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, and pick up where we started last night. It's kind of the foundational verse for yesterday and today. Paul's writing, and he says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Sweetheart, why in the world were we taught that the gifts of the Holy Spirit take you down, they make you silly, they make you immature. That is really what I was taught. Look what this verse says. They are given to profit with all. That word profit describes an advantage, which means when the Holy Spirit's gifts are working among us, they give us an advantage. And the Bible says they're given to every man, not just the guy on the stage, not just to the one who occasionally has boldness to take the microphone, they are to operate in every single person, and they don't have to operate just at church. They can operate at work. They can operate in the grocery aisle at the grocery store. They can operate on the telephone. 
the gifts of the Holy Spirit are always available if you're available for them to operate through you. And the Bible says the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, that word manifestation describes something conspicuous. Well, many people say, well, I've never seen God. Well, the gifts of the Holy Spirit enable you to see God. They make him conspicuous. They take it out of the invisible realm and bring it into the visible realm. That's what the word manifestation means. You know, Rick, I've been listening to you for a long, long time. You sure have. (laughs) And one of the things that you said, I don't know how many years ago, but you said, "If, if we don't see the miraculous power of Jesus today through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then it's just what we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We do not get to see the manifestation of a part of him. If we don't see that, we don't see that part of him. It kind of just remains like a fairy tale. That's horrible. It's horrible. It's like I was telling you last week of the first time I went to the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. I'll never forget it. Walking through those halls of that massive museum, I came through a religious section which was filled with paintings of the miracles of Jesus. And when I read the little bronze plaque on the bottom of the frame, it said, the fairy tale of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And I was so put off by that. But that's what the communists told people was a fairy tale. The fairy tale of Jesus walking on the water. And then I got to thinking, well, you know what? I guess when I was growing up, it was kind of a fairy tale because I never saw anything like that. It was kind of like a fairy tale. It happened way back then, another time, another age. It doesn't happen today. But the gifts of the Spirit caused the Jesus of the Gospels to become conspicuous. It's no longer in the mental realm. It becomes real in this realm. And, and you know, I want to say that we, I'm speaking about Rick and I, our, our generation, we are responsible for showing that to you, Paul. And you're responsible for showing that to your children. And if we don't do that, well then, Paul's not going to know about it. Paul doesn't know about it. Then your children aren't going to know about it. We have to be intentional. In 1 Corinthians 12, 5, Paul says, there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. The word administrations, the Greek word diakonia, was the word used to describe a waiter or a waitress who brought food to the table. Paul is literally saying all the gifts of the Holy Spirit bring something different to the table. What if we all came to the table and all we ate, the whole meal from the beginning to the end was mashed potatoes? (laughs) We might even be happy just to have gravy or salt, but if all you had was mashed potatoes, and in many churches all they have is mashed potatoes, that's all they ever get. I was going to say carrots. Oh, well, of course. (laughs) Of course. I'm surprised you didn't say celery. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit load the table with all kinds of food. They bring everything to the table. And then he says in verse 6, there are diversities of operations. The word operations describes effects, outcomes, or results, which means the gifts of the Spirit all produce a different outcome or effect. Word of wisdom has one effect on people. Word of knowledge has a different effect. 
Gifts of healing has a different effect. The gift of faith has a monumental but very different effect. The working of miracles has a very different effect. All of these have different results. But last night, we looked at the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. We looked at the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, the workings of miracles. And so tonight we're going to move on and we're going to go to verse 10 where Paul mentions prophecy. The word prophecy, Mr. Renner, is the word propheteia. It's a compound of two words, the word pro, which means before, in front of, or in advance. The word femi means to speak. That tells us already that the gift of prophecy is a saying gift or it is a speaking gift. It's not a thinking gift. It's saying it can be written on paper, but it's an expression, a verbal expression of some kind. And because it's connected to the word pro, it means it's a kind of saying that, number one, it's before it's in front of people. It can speak of something that's going to take place later, so you're speaking in advance. Mm -hmm. It also means that you're speaking on behalf of God. You become a mouthpiece for God to speak through. You become an oracle. Isn't that amazing? It is a saying gift. It pictures one who supernaturally speaks on behalf of God to speak in advance of a situation, to foretell an event, or to assert the mind of God to others. That's really what prophecy is. And it's important to note, and I want to read directly from my notes, that one who speaks a prophetic word to the church is not necessarily called into the full-time ministry of a prophet. Those are two totally different things. And in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, Paul encourages everybody to seek the gift of prophecy and says everybody can prophesy one by one. That does not make everybody a prophet. Right? Mm -hmm. You just become one through whom God speaks at that moment. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, Paul says, He that prophesies speaketh unto men for the purpose of edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when a person moves in this gift, he or she is divinely inspired to speak on behalf of God to deliver a message at a particular moment for a particular situation to give strength, encouragement, and comfort. Amen. It is a gift of the Spirit, and everybody who operates in it is not a prophet. But everybody can prophesy. Paul said that. But let's go on. There's also the gift of discerning of spirits, 1 Corinthians 12, 10. What in the world does that mean? Well, funny that through the years, I've noticed that sometimes people that are just cynical and critical claim that they have the gift of discerning of spirits. Well, you know what? Discerning of spirits is not somebody that's just suspicious. This is not the gift of suspicion. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Paul? It's funny. Some people do claim to have the gifts of discerning of spirits, and they're just simply suspicious. That's, that's funny. They don't know what it means. So what does it mean, the discerning of spirits? Well, the word discerning, believe it or not, is the Greek word, the Greek word diakrisis, which means distinguishing, perceiving, or discerning. The word spirits, the Greek word pneumaton, refers to spirits or spiritual situations. When you put it together... It forms the phrase in English, discerning of spirits, 
which means to perceive things supernaturally that are spiritual. Hence, the gift of discerning of spirits, listen to this, guys, is the supernatural ability to read or perceive the true nature of a situation and to discern what spiritual forces are really at work in a person's life or in a certain situation. This revelatory gift is a supernatural revealing or discerning of spiritual forces that cannot be naturally discerned, and it manifests in an instant when suddenly you can see something. You see what's really happening. You see what's happening behind the scenes. You just see it, you know it. You might see something about an individual. You might see something about a situation. Suddenly, it's like you're able to read the whole thing. It is really supernatural. And it is a spirit, spiritual equipment that really needs to operate in the life of pastors and spiritual leaders mm -hmm. because they deal with people and deal with situations all the time. And if they will surrender, discerning spirits will operate in them to help them minister to people. Mm -hmm. really will. I was in a situation not so long ago where I saw this happen. There was a group of pastors that was meeting, and one of the pastors had a suggestion. And the suggestion on paper wasn't so bad. It was actually a good suggestion. And if you were to take it at its face value only, it would have seemed like a good idea. But as this person began to share his idea, it became obvious that it wasn't the text, it wasn't the, the idea on paper that he was actually trying to sell. He was actually trying to do something else. And all of a sudden, and it, 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 it was like a working of a miracle. Everyone in the room at the same time said, we're not going to do that. That's the gift of discerning of spirits. And, and no one said that, you know, there's something wrong with your motivation there. But everyone felt it. Because the face value of the, the, the idea was actually a good idea. There was nothing wrong with the idea, with the text that was being recommended. But there was a motivation there that was wrong. And everyone could feel it. That's discerning of spirits. And there's a great example of it in the Bible in Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter 9. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus was ministering. And in verse 2, he spoke to a paralyzed man. He said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. He said to the man, Get up and pick up your bed. Well, it looked like everybody in the room was just thrilled. Nobody was expressing any disagreement. But in verse 9, Jesus supernaturally discerned what the religious people were thinking. They were quiet, but he saw it supernaturally. And the Bible says in verse 4, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts. How could he know their thoughts? Discerning of spirits. Sometimes when I'm preaching, I hear thoughts in the audience. Sometimes I even say, during a program or while I'm preaching, I just heard somebody think that is discerning of spirits where you supernaturally, you know something that's going on either in a person or in a situation. Jesus was enabled by the discerning of spirits to perceive what was occurring inside them even though they didn't show it on their face. It's really supernatural. Um, many years ago, 
there was a person that we were working with and there was a lot of questions about this person, but we just kept you know, working. working and working and trusting and going forward. And <clears throat> one time we were in this hotel, hotel and this person was there and this person opened the door. Um, I mean, I opened the door and there stood this person. And this is the truth. I didn't I didn't I didn't see this person. I saw like a horrible figure. And it so took me off guard. But I know at that moment, Rick, that he, the Holy Spirit was showing me that there's something really wrong. Really wrong, really ugly operating through this person. It's very helpful. I mean when the when discerning spirits is operating you, know, you might say, oh, well, maybe maybe I'm just making that up. Hey, don't ignore this. This is a very equipping, revelatory gift, but there's more. And he's trying to protect you. He is. He's trying to protect. Usually it's for protection, but we got to move on because the clock is moving. <laughs> so next in verse 10, we come to tongues, diverse kinds of tongues. Isn't that interesting, divers? Because nobody has the same tongue. They're, they're really divers. And in Greek, it is the word glossa. It's where you get the term glossolalia. Mm -hmm. You know what that means, glossolalia? Glosso is the word for the tongue or language. Lalia is the word to converse. It's conversing in tongues, which means the whole meaning of the word glossolalia is it is not gibberish. It is conversing in an unknown tongue. Unknown because it's unknown to you. It's a, it's a spiritual language. And it's important to note that in 1 Corinthians 12, 10, when Paul talks about the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, he's not talking about a prayer language. Everybody has a prayer language if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Here, he's talking about the public speaking in tongues, delivering a message in tongues. And Paul was explicit in telling us that when somebody gives a public message in tongues, it is to be interpreted. Paul was very explicit about this. Now, there's a difference between praying in tongues. A whole church can pray together in tongues. That does not have to be interpreted. But if somebody gives a message in tongues, Paul made it very clear it should be accompanied with an interpretation, which is what he mentions next. So let's look at it. Next in 1 Corinthians 12.10, he describes the interpretation of tongues, which is the interpretation of a public message given in tongues. But notice it is not called a translation of tongues. It is an interpretation of tongues. Why is that important? Because, for example, sometimes people will give a message in tongues. Long, long message in tongues. The interpretation will be short. And you'll kind of think, you've got to be kidding. That was the interpretation for that long message. Sometimes somebody will give a very short message in tongues, but the interpretation is real, real long. It's not a translation. It's an interpretation. The Holy Spirit is giving the person giving the interpretation the sense of what was said in tongues. It's not a word-for-word -word translation 
It is the sense of what was being said in tongues, and therefore he gives an interpretation in his own words. He's trying to explain what the Holy Spirit's telling him that meant. It is not a translation. It is an interpretation. When I understood this, it helped me to stop being judgmental. Because when I would hear how the interpretation didn't match the length of the tongue, sometimes I would think, well, there's something wrong about that. It's not a translation. It's an interpretation. Any comments? Well, that's the truth. Paul? I'm so glad that we all have the ability to work in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need each other. And we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. And I would specifically point out that we need it at home. We need it to raise our kids. We need it to be a good husband. We need it to be a good wife. We need it to be uh, just a responsible person. These gifts are not meant for the pulpit only, or they're not meant for public show of the power of the Holy Spirit only. They're meant for you every day in your life. And if you really believe that every single person has the ability, every single believer has the ability to work in these gifts, then you should expect at some point for you to be able to understand some things or be able to work in these gifts just as you're doing your daily business. And I kind of live with the expectation that as I'm doing my daily business, I could get interrupted, interrupted by the Spirit telling me or giving me an understanding of things that I need to know. It could be a word of knowledge, it could be a word of wisdom, but I, I'm just, I have this expectation that I could get interrupted at any moment. And I expect some other people that I trust to interrupt me at any moment to tell me what the Spirit is telling them. I also want to say that these gifts usually operate in groups. Mm -hmm. Not always, but if there's a word of knowledge, very often it is accompanied with healing or miracles. If there is a burst of faith, it usually is accompanied with healing or it's accompanied with miracles. If there's a tongue, it's accompanied with prophecy, uh, with the interpretation. Sometimes prophecy is accompanied with word of knowledge. They operate in groups usually or they come in pairs or mm -hmm. they come in groups. And so, but you have to learn how to operate with them and I kind of see myself, and I know, Denise, you do too, that we are to be like channels. God wants to pour His power. He wants to pour His information through us. And I've learned through the years that if I spend a lot of time praying in tongues, I'm more, I'm more tuned for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate in me. And we're almost out of time tonight, but when we come back tomorrow night, guess what we're going to talk about? Making room. How do you make room for the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life? How do you make room for the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your church? What do you do if you go to a church where there is no room for this to happen? What do you do in that case? But you know you're called to that church, but really it's not possible at this moment for you to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your church. What do you do? It's a very important question. We're gonna answer it tomorrow night. It's been good being together. Today. It's been good being together. Can I say something about what Paul just said? Please do. Because Paul, I just think that was just wisdom. That is wisdom. Because the Bible says that a man who takes correction, instruction, is a wise man. One who refuses instruction is a fool. Mm -hmm. And and that's just really encouraging, I think, what you said. Because you're acknowledging that as a father, as a husband, as a leader... You cannot do this by yourself. 
that you need the Holy Spirit and you need the Holy Spirit speaking from other people. I always think that's wonderful and very helpful. Thank Amen. you. Thank you. Amen. Paul, will you pray for our home yes. group? <laughs> Father God, I thank you that we can be together and I thank you, Lord, that you speak to us. Speak to us individually and you speak to us as a group. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us as we search to seek you. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Sleep well. We'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.